0: Hey there travelers, I'm Isabella. I'm Riley. I'm Angelica. And this is True Crime International. So Isabella, where are you taking us to today? Today we are going to my closet. It's my new recording location. So if I sound better, if you notice a difference in my audio, um, you're welcome. But for the case, we're going to Northern Ireland to uh, talk about... We're going to talk about a case that has literally centuries of nuance behind it. Um, I was originally going to do this for our Patreon. But as I was researching, I realized that this should really be heard by more people, and we only have 10 people on our Patreon, um, because it involves huge issues that are unfortunately still relevant today. So I wanted to do it for our main feed so that way more people could hear about it and learn about it, uh, because we are seeing rumblings of some of the things we're going to be talking about today again. Uh, And today we're discussing the case of Lenny Murphy and the Shankill Butchers. Um, And this is our first ever gang of serial killers the shankle butchers were a gang of serial killers in northern ireland so you know what kind of friend group
1: i never want to be a part of serial killer friends like
0: yeah that's not my squad Mm -mm. no me neither um if you guys start killing i'm sorry but i'm gonna have to cut you off (laughs) thank you it's good (laughs) now in order for this case to make any sense at all we really need to dive into some really deep cultural and historical context which is obviously my favorite we know this like cultural and historical context that is the name of the game for me with cases uh and if you don't like cultural and historical context uh don't listen to my episodes uh and if you don't like it and you're already listening to this honestly too bad you really need to listen to it in this episode unless you're already pretty knowledgeable about the troubles. then I'll give you a pass. But you, like, this case won't make any sense unless you know what the troubles are and what they meant for Ireland as a whole. Now, half of our listeners are from the US, so I'm going to start with the most basic of basics because we are seriously not taught this in school. I've always known it, but only because I am British. Uh, But Northern Ireland is part of Britain, not the Republic of Ireland. That's the whole separation. Britain is comprised of four countries, England, Scotland, Wales, and Northern Ireland. England is the big guy because they're the ones that stole all the shit all over the world, just stole all the countries and fucked everything up. That was England. Um, And that's where my family's from, so clutch. (laughs) The English are just real bastards, and I'm allowed to say this as an English person. (laughs) The English just sucking has led to a lot of drama in the British Isles over the century, and I mean, to be honest, it's led to a lot of drama all over the world yeah but we're just focusing on the british isles today specifically the the island to the west ireland ireland as a whole like as a whole thing um has been divided one way or another going as far back as the 12th century maybe not physically divided uh but in in one way or another like culturally or religiously there's always been some division um for the sake of brevity, though, we're just going to concentrate on the events of the 20th century. I'm not going to drag you through, uh, what, seven, 800 years of nuance? 900 years? No, we, we don't have time for that today. Um, specifically, we're talking about the Troubles. This is what they're called, the Troubles. Um, there are official names for this conflict, but everyone just calls them the Troubles. And honestly, it's just such a British slash Irish name for a thing and i really like it so we're keeping it it's the troubles the troubles to give the most basic of basic summaries are the reason that ireland is split up the way it is it's why northern ireland is part of britain and the rest of the island is its own country the republic of ireland the conflicts that made up the troubles started in the late 1960s and stretched all the way into 1998 that's when they signed some peace agreements it was considered to be a quote unquote low level war which basically means that it had all of the characteristics of a full-blown war, but with much less intensity and, generally speaking, much fewer casualties, although we'll get into the casualty count later. Most of the violence was in Northern Ireland, but the violence did spill over into England. There were attacks uh, in several English cities, but London mainly, obviously. Uh, There were also attacks across Ireland and some even in mainland Europe, which was surprising to me. I'm like... And I, I, I couldn't even. I didn't really see where that just said mainland Europe. So anyway, <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> yeah, the conflicts were very much political and basically dealt with this question: Should Northern Ireland be part of Britain or Ireland? That's the conflict. Which country should Northern Ireland be a part of? What do you guys think when you hear that? I don't know, Ireland. Yeah. Like a- <laughs> seems it's in the name like
2: the Isn't it? right. it's in the
0: name they share an island like northern ireland is the only country in britain that is physically separated from the rest like england wales and scotland are all on the same island and then northern ireland is you know over that way it's to the west like it's 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 on a completely different island so they kind of gets forgotten about sometimes by uh british people it's kind of looked down upon it's like it's quite literally an outsider Um, And there, there are people on both sides of this question who feel very strongly about these issues, about this issue, sorry. And those strong feelings led to some of the horrific violence committed, which I'll get to in a minute. And you might be thinking, as we said, well, Northern Ireland should be part of Ireland, right? Because, yeah, it makes sense. They share more history, more culture, and they're on the same damn island. Like, it's all in one place. Um, (sighs) But there is one very important distinction between the two Ireland's, and that is religion. The Republic of Ireland is largely Catholic, whereas Northern Ireland is largely Protestant. And there lies the root of the problem. If you watch documentaries about the troubles you'll often hear both sides referred to as the Catholics and the Protestants and though religion is often mentioned when talking about the troubles it's really important to understand that this is so much more a political issue than it is a religious one like the specifics of the differences in you know Christian practices between the Catholics and the Protestants like that doesn't really matter at all it's it's the political thing and um When I say this traces back to the 12th century, that was the Norman conquests and when Protestantism Protestantism came to the British Isles, it never really took in Ireland except for in the north. And that's why uh, this divide has existed for so long. There are Catholics in Northern Ireland, um, but it's definitely a lot more Protestant than it is Catholic. In this conflict, the Irish Catholics were considered to be nationalists and then the British Protestants were considered to be unionists 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 Unionists. Unionists. (laughs) Unionists or loyalists yeah it's a difficult word unionists or loyalists that that, that's what the protestants were considered to be now the fact that northern ireland is largely protestant is the reason why so much of the conflict happened there as opposed to the other countries in the british isles uh or mainland europe as we briefly said so hold on i this is going to sound very ignorant
2: because, well, I am. I was raised very Catholic, mm-hmm. so I don't know a ton about other religions mm-hmm. because I haven't gotten to that part of my lifelong Self-discovery. Yet. <laughs> yeah. What are, like, the main... What is the... I mean, I know that the main difference, like, the nationalists and the unionists, but, like, other differences within the religion? Does anyone know?
0: I was raised non-religious, so I I genuinely don't know. Like, even though my family is from this part of the world, um, we're not a religious people, personally. So I I actually don't know. But like like I said before, the actual differences between how they practice each, you know, sect of Christianity is not an issue in this uh, fight, in this conflict whatsoever. It's so much more political. Like, when they say, oh, yeah, the Protestants did this, the Catholics did this, it's just kind of like shorthand um because gotcha. because there's been religious strife between the catholics and the protestants for so long honestly it's kind of more of a cultural thing at this point um gotcha. and has okay. been and has been for a long time that's why people talk about this as a political issue and not a religious one because generally speaking both sides don't really give a shit about the religion as much like calling them catholics and protestants is really just kind of shorthand gotcha okay and also when this started in the 60s and stuff like I mean, Ireland is still largely Catholic, but the Catholic Church definitely had a much stronger hold over Ireland in the 60s. So, I don't know. Like, the religion isn't a huge... We're not really going to get into the specifics of religion today. So, both sides engaged in paramilitary activities. The Catholics slash nationalists, um, their largest paramilitary group was called the Irish Republican Army or the IRA, which you may have heard before, and we'll talk about it in a minute. And then the Protestant-slash-Unionist-Loyalist, their largest paramilitary group, was the Ulster Volunteer Force, or UVF. And Ulster is actually uh, the other name for Northern Ireland. It's kind of like the traditional name. Now, you may have heard of the IRA before, especially if you've watched, like, any British media in the last... Well, since the Troubles, so since the 60s, um, the IRA are the more famous of the two paramilitary groups as they were the ones that were responsible for some of the most famous bombings that happened during the Troubles, including the 35 bombs that exploded across Northern Ireland on July 21st, 1972, which is known as Bloody Friday, in which nine people were killed and 130 were injured. They also, the IRA actually killed a member of the royal family, the queen's cousin louis mountbatten along with many many uh other people if you've seen season 4 of the crown they do um show that the the bombing on uh louis mountbatten's boat that killed him but yeah so the the ira is more fam- the more famous of the two but the uh the uvf they they have fucking things up just as much if you talk to you know english people british people they uh, you know, they're just like, oh, you know, the IRA is this horrible terrorist organization that did so many horrible things. And it's like, I mean, you have a point, they did do horrible things, but so did the UVF, like, you can't just put all the blame onto the IRA. And in Ireland, uh, the IRA is seen largely as th- like, they're seen as freedom fighters, you know? Anyway, bombings were the most common form of attack during the Troubles, because guns... Like, they had them, but guns in the British Isles aren't as easy to come by as they are in uh, the U.S., where you can walk into a Walmart and buy a gun. So, truthfully, whenever I think about the Troubles, like, whenever I picture it in my brain, I can only imagine bombings, because that's what they're known for. And, like, you can find this whole long list. Like, there's a whole Wikipedia page that's just a list of all of the bombings during the Troubles, and it is long. It is so fucking long. And it they, it goes, like... You know, this date 1973, IRA, this date 1973, UVF, IRA, UVF, IRA, UVF. So it's pretty, pretty mixed. In total, over 3,500 people were killed during the Troubles and half of them, over half of them, sorry, were civilians. So 3,500 people died and more than half of them were just civilians going about their day that, you know, wrong place, wrong time sort of thing. Peace agreements were signed in 1998, which effectively ended the troubles. However, and this isn't important for today's story, but I do want to bring it up because it is important for just today. Um, There have been riots starting up again in Northern Ireland because of Brexit, um, which is just a whole other can of worms. We can't get into all the specifics there. But basically, when the Brexit referendum happened in 2016, a lot of people were afraid that Britain leaving the European Union meant that the troubles would return because there would no longer be an open trade route between Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland, because I mean, for the longest time, the the border between Northern Ireland and Ireland has just been open, kind of like driving into another state. Like you don't really, there's not really any checks because they were both EU countries. It didn't really matter. Um, And now they are going to be closing the border. And that's a huge issue and both sides are really pissed off with Boris Johnson because he promised certain things with the withdrawal agreement that are not being honored and um, in the last couple weeks there have been some pretty sizable riots in Northern Ireland that are just not getting reported on and uh, it could be kind of the rumblings before uh, an an eruption of a new era of troubles in, in Ireland so Just something to be aware of because um, it's happening and it's not really getting reported on. I want to shout out Saruti and Hannah at Red Handed for talking about this on their Patreon because otherwise I wouldn't have been aware of it uh, because it's just like no one's talking about it, but it's happening. It's ridiculous. All right. Any questions before we continue? Do we have a a decent understanding of the history? As much as
2: I'm going to retain this morning. Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs)
0: this was just a brief overview of an incredibly huge and nuanced issue um so don't come for me if you think i left out something that you think is important like i'm just trying to give you what you need to know in order to understand this case and understand the gravity of it um but yeah, it's, it's like I said, it goes back to the 12th century. We don't have time to get into all the details and nuance of The Troubles because fuck, it's so big. This has been a history rundown with this is Isabella. is my favorite part of doing this show. I love looking up history and culture. It's my, it's my whole brand. All right, let's dive into the story. So our main man today, our main culprit is Lenny Murphy. Lenny was born on March 2nd, 1952 on Shankill Road in Belfast. He had two older brothers, John and William Jr., and his parents, Joyce and William Sr., were staunch loyalists. So they were the Protestants. Yeah. William Sr. originally came from Sailortown, which is like the dock area of Belfast, and he worked as a dock laborer, just like his father before him. That's, I think, that's something that you see kind of commonly in Northern Ireland. Correct me if I'm wrong. If you're uh, from that, if you're from Northern Ireland, but.
2: I'm sorry. I think it's just really cute that they have a town named Sailor Town.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I love that. But I think I think it's really common for uh, families to like have a have a trade that gets passed down. So William met Joyce by the docks and she was the one that was originally from the Shankle area. So quick note about Shankle. Shankle Road is one of the main roads that goes through the western part of Belfast. It's not a neighborhood officially, but the locals kind of treat it like one. Like Shankle Road and then like its side streets are called the Shankel, And it's an unofficial, it, it, to me, like from what I gathered, it seems like an unofficial neighborhood. Um, and people will say that they're from that area when talking to other, others from Belfast. And it's kind of got like its own personality, like its own quirks and stuff from my gathering. If you're if you're uh, from Belfast and I'm completely wrong, do feel free to correct me. This is just what I was able to tell from reading my sources. So William Senior and Joyce moved their family between the docks in the Shankill area several times, but they finally settled in Joyce's family home in Lower Shankill in 1957. Little Lenny was not a good kid. He was a shit. He went to Argyle Primary School, where he was known for brandishing knives at primary school. That's elementary school. Mm. Like this he's a kid. And his brothers, his older brothers would back him up. That's that's Oh not, mm, <laughs> I'm
1: not about him.
2: No. Runs in the family question mark?
1: That sounds like my worst nightmare. I'm sorry. Little little fucking Primary school boys brandishing knives at me? No, absolutely
0: not. No, that sounds horrible. I worked briefly in a primary school, and honestly, like, I'm just not great with kids, like little kids, and I just, I can't do it. It's not, it's not for me. I was much better with teenagers, and I still don't even really like teenagers. His first conviction came when he was just 12 years old for theft, and the second he left school at 16, he joined the Ulster Volunteer Force, the UVF. And joined them in some rioting across Belfast in 1969. Quick side note: Leaving school at the age of 16 at this time was not uncommon. You were actually given the choice at 16 whether or not you wanted to continue education or leave. My dad did this, um, and it's just, it's normal. Like he wasn't a dropout because he was given this option. I don't think they do it anymore. I wouldn't think so. I, I'm pretty sure they don't do it anymore. I'm pretty sure it's uh, I'm pretty sure they do like the same thing that they do here in in spain it's like you can either choose to further education as like pre-university or you can go into like different trade schools oh uh, in the u.s you are technically legally allowed to drop out
2: at 16 i'm pretty sure um but you're not like given the option it's just like for someone who wants to drop out they research and find out that at the age of 16 you can legally do so
0: yeah uh, in the uk you were told like okay you can either keep School, Keep doing school or you can go. And so some, some people decided to go. My dad left school at 16 and then got an internship at a a, a shipyard and learned how to repair ships. Oh, nice. Yeah. Cool flex, My dad is Neil. a very handy person. What? I said cool flex, Neil. Okay, so fun fact about Lenny. His first name was actually Hugh. His name was Hugh Leonard Thompson Murphy. However, he didn't go by Hugh because... The name Hugh Murphy sounded far too Catholic, and he just (laughs) did not want to be associated with those dirty Catholics, obviously. Um, He hated that his name sounded so darn Catholic, and Belfast journalist Martin Dillon speculates in his book, which is just called The Shankle Butchers, that Lenny's super Catholic-sounding name contributed to his extremely bigoted opinions and behaviors towards them. Like, imagine being so bigoted and ignorant that your own name spawns (laughs) hatred for other people. And also, I feel like it was kind
2: of common to not, like, go by your name. Also,
1: that just sounds like a personal problem that he needed to deal with, not, like,
0: Jesus. So after Lenny left school and was part of the UVF, he had a pretty steady gig as a shop assistant. I wrote shot assistant, uh, but I meant shop assistant in Belfast. Uh, and in the early 70s, he started to dress and act pretty flashy. Uh, he wore clothes that definitely would have been more expensive than what he could afford from his shop assistant salary. He drank heavily and he had like a steady rotating door of female suitors coming over. Um, and so it's safe to say that the money, his, like the money that he got to fund his flamboyant lifestyle came from less than honest means.
1: Seems about right with this man. Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) Lenny's bigoted beliefs and involvement in the UVF led him down such a horrific life of crime that he and his gang became the most prolific group of serial killers in UK history. And the UK is not short of serial killers. So Bitch Boy Lenny was involved with the tortures and murders of four Catholics in 1972 when he was just 20 years old. Like, he you're a, you're a baby at 20. I say that as someone that's 24 and I feel old as shit, but I mean, come on, you're you're a baby when you're 20. <sighs> um, he wasn't tried for those crimes though. He was tried along with his friend Mervin Connor for the murder of a man named William Edward Pavis, a Protestant who was believed to be selling weapons to the IRA. So, in their eyes, just an utter traitor and coward. Earlier earlier on the day that he was murdered, Pavis had gone bird shooting with a Catholic priest, something that the loyalists were like, "Uh uh-uh, man, can't be doing that. Like, to them, that's the worst thing you could possibly do. Pavis was threatened repeatedly, like, he was essentially given warnings repeatedly, but he was finally murdered in his home on September 28th, 1972. Lenny and Connor were both arrested and identified by witnesses in a lineup.
1: So they weren't even like trying to be cautious.
0: No. And you'll see this, you'll see even more of that later. Like the, the caution was really just not there. Belfast police made a huge mistake with these two though, as they were kept in jail together while they awaited their trial, which wasn't set until June, 1973. And in April of that year, Connor was found dead in the cell after having ingested cyanide. He left a suicide note in which he took full responsibility. I have no idea. He left a suicide note in which he took full responsibility for the murder and completely exonerated Lenny.
1: Tis sus. So, what I'm hearing is that Lenny killed Connor. That's what I'm hearing.
0: Arranged something.
1: I, because I do not believe that Connor was this loyal to Lenny. I don't know. No, me neither. I guess maybe if he was like a really charismatic dude, but like...
0: In descriptions of Lenny, no one ever really... Like, no did I see Lenny described as charismatic. So
1: he just killed this man.
0: <laughs> he could have been. Um the most like the the most specific description i saw i read of him said that he was uh just kind of like an average dude but maybe he was maybe when he maybe he knew when to turn on the charisma i'm not yeah. sure but if connor's death was nefarious it didn't matter because lenny still stood trial in june of 1973 however he was acquitted of any wrongdoing for pavis's murder and the reason is so stupid you remember the lineup in which he was identified. Yeah. Well, just before it, he caused a like kerfuffle and stuck out <laughs> of the lineup, only to be put back in after things calmed down. But because that happened and like things got messed up for a minute, um, the witnesses that were the prosecution's like oh, like it was God. the entire basis for their case were completely rendered useless. <laughs> That's fucked up. So Lenny, he wasn't let go immediately, right? Like, this guy just does some stupid shit and, like, makes everyone, like, really, like, oh, what's going on for a minute? And, like, snuck out of the lineup, and then the police were like, hey, you bitch, get back in there. and But that one thing totally, like, got him off for the murder of Pavis, which is ridiculous. Um, he wasn't let go immediately, though, because his dumbass had tried to escape from jail several times, so they gave him some time for that. But by May 1975, bitch boy Lenny was a free bigot once again, roaming the streets of Belfast. Of course he was. So what did he do when he was released? Why, move in with his wife and daughter, of course, because he got married in 1973 while he was in prison. Stop marrying people in (laughs) prison. Ladies. Stop doing it. Ladies, please stop marrying (laughs) murderers. I beg you.
2: Doing it. Ladies and men, if there's anyone out there ladies men non-binary friends stop Stop. don't marry
0: murderers for fuck's sake stop
2: marrying men in prison women in prison non-binary people in prison
1: specifically if they're in there for murder
2: you your boys in there on some on some weed charges whatever murder stop
0: stop also very very proven murder like although technically technically Lenny wasn't in prison for murder. He was in prison because he tried to escape jail. <laughs> anyway, they moved to Upper Shankle, which was not too far from his parents' place, um, their new place. But as you can probably imagine, Lenny wasn't the best husband and father. And he spent, he spent an awful lot of time binge drinking at the local pubs while just waxing lyrical about how much he hated the fucking Catholics.
2: Bring it on, Lenny. Bring it on.
0: <laughs> Riley's like, I'm not even that Catholic, but I will end you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's not even about religion anymore. I just fucking hate you, Lenny. Yeah, <laughs> oh, he's no. the worst.
0: He's the worst. So it was at these pubs that he started putting together his own little paramilitary group of bigoted assholes. It started with his brothers. So his brothers just always backing him up through the horrible shit. And I'm so surprised that Lenny's the youngest. You know, this seems like some older brother stuff. I guess, the, like, middle I guess child maybe, shit. maybe,
1: maybe, maybe he just like, maybe his parents like the older brothers better or something. And he just really, he felt frustrated by that.
0: I don't know. I I'm don't, not I speaking don't, I don't know the from experience
1: dynamic. or anything. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so it started with his brothers, but the gang grew. It didn't take, it, ta- it didn't take it long to grow to over 20 men, which like, that's a lot. That's a lot of big yeah. assholes. I'm not going to talk about all of them because I don't care enough. I'm not going to name all the bigots. I'm not going to waste your time like that. Um, But the two you really need to know for this story, and especially the first one, uh, were Lenny's sergeants, quote unquote sergeants. um, And it was a man named William Moore and then Bobby Bates. But Bobby Bates went by the nickname Basher. And this is an example of the nicknames I was talking about earlier. A lot of people have nicknames like that. Uh, There was also Sam McAllister, who we will talk about a bit as well. Uh, And he was just like, he was just a big dude. So he was used just to like scare people more than anything. These were just not great guys. So Moore is really important. He was extremely integral for for what they ended up doing. Moore had a taxi. Um, A lot of taxis in Belfast were like retired London black cabs. And Moore had one. Uh, and they would use the taxi to abduct people. Uh, and also, Moore had once worked at a butcher shop and stole a bunch no. of knives and meat cleavers. And. Uh, I don't like that. No, don't like that at all. <laughs> and those were also used in the z- z- murders. Um, mm, I don't like that. I don't at, like all it. at all, at um, all. I will talk about the murders. I'll get into, like, the the meat cleaver and taxi murders in in a bit, but just give me a sec. So, one of the gang's first hits was a warehouse, uh, which they raided on October 2nd, 1975. They originally went there just to steal stuff, but while they were there, uh, like, in the middle of the robbery that they were committing, they learned that the four employees that were there were all Catholic. Uh, It was two men and two women, and Murphy shot three of them, and then ordered one of the accomplices to kill the fourth they all died oh god that was a really unfortunate wrong? time and place to be a catholic seriously also like what are the odds what are the odds yeah i mean maybe that's really freaking sad it's it's possible that they knew um or maybe had suspicions because there were like catholic areas of belfast uh, gotcha. which i'll talk about more specifically a bit later but it is possible that maybe they had like an inclination that the people there could be Catholic. Or, I mean, Mm -hmm. it could have just been horrible fucking timing. Uh, Like, seriously, wrong place, wrong time for those people. Um, But yeah. Yeah. On November 24th of that same year, Lenny and his gang began what would become their MO for many of their killings. They started going out at night, basically hunting for Catholics. Uh, And you may be wondering how they could possibly identify a Catholic just by looking at them. And... This is actually important, Uh, and this is what I was just talking about. Uh, You remember that there is a significant Catholic community in Belfast. Um, Well, around the Shankill area specifically, there was like a patchwork of Catholic and Protestant areas. So if you knew the Shankill well, uh, you knew where the Catholics lived. So they would stalk the more Catholic streets, find victims, and just kind of take their chances. That's so fucked up. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. The first victim killed in this way was a 34-year-old man named Francis Crossan, who was indeed Catholic. Lenny, Moore, and two other gang members were in the taxi when they spotted Crossan and pulled up alongside him. Lenny got out and jumped him, hitting him over the head with a wheel brace uh, before he was forced into the taxi by the two other gang members. Crossan was taken back to the shankle where he was brutally beaten and tortured, before Lenny stuck him in a back alley and slit his throat almost to the spine with one of Moore's butcher knives. Oh my god. Oh man.
2: No. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: No, absolutely not. Crossan was the first to be murdered in this way. There would be several other victims killed like this, and that's just, that's not the way to go, man. No, absolutely not. So, uh, there were three men killed in this way, kind of at the beginning. Francis was the first, and they called these the cutthroat victims. The other two were Thomas Quinn, who was 55, and Francis Rice, who was just 24. The three murders were linked in no time, because, I mean, come on, they were all killed the same way, and it was really fucking brutal. Uh, And it was after the discovery of Rice's body... That the press started labelling the group responsible for these killings as the butchers. And the Belfast Catholics lived in constant fear of these butchers. I watched a little uh, BBC documentary about this. um, And the guy who, like, did the documentary was from the Shankill area. And I love Belfast accents. And he pronounced butchers, butchers. And it just made me really happy. (laughs) Butchers? Butchers? (laughs) Butchers? And I I just kept saying, like, every time he said it, I said it. I couldn't, I couldn't help it. It was like watching, it was like watching Dora, Dora the Explorer. (laughs) Boochers. Oh, I love Northern Irish accents. Okay. At this time, the only evidence the police had were witness statements uh, saying that Rice had been forced into the taxi, leading them to Moore's taxi. And Moore's taxi was searched, but it was searched along with dozens of others. Like they didn't specifically target Moore's taxi. Unfortunately, though, the gang had done a good job of cleaning it and no evidence was found in Moore's taxi whatsoever. But I mean, this Ugh. this would have been That's before so the days of decent forensics. So all they would really have to do is just like, yeah. get rid of the, the look of blood or whatever or like personal belongings. I don't think they would have to do the they definitely wouldn't have had to have done the same sort of cleaning job they would today. Uh, just to be safe, though, Lenny told Moore to get rid of the taxi, which he did. And then he replaced it with a yellow Ford Cortina. And why he chose a yellow car is beyond me. It makes no sense. It's so noticeable. <laughs> it stands like yellow cars stand out so much. Get a black car. It will blend in. The gang were also fans of drive by shootings. Lenny shot and killed 25 year old Edward McQuaid while he was just walking home one night. However, Bitch Boy Lenny made a mistake in another drive-by on March 11th, 1976. He tried to shoot and kill a woman in the early hours of the morning, but he was unsuccessful and he got caught in the stupidest possible way. He went back to the scene of the crime the next day to get the gun he dropped. So he, like, tried to kill
1: a woman but oh dropped Oh my god, gun. what an idiot.
0: I'm not entirely sure why it failed so badly, but yeah, he went back the next day. To get his gun. And the police were like, why are you, why do you have that gun, sir? So his dumbass was arrested, uh, but he eventually took a plea bargain that got him sentenced to 12 years in prison on October 11th, 1977. But he was sentenced on firearms charges, not even an attempted murder charge. What?
2: Bro. Bro. Belfast
0: police, you're looking very LA and I don't like it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I mean, this was during the peak of the Troubles and everything, so the Belfast police really had the work cut out for them, but so many people are getting killed, this was so out in the open. Still, Come on. Still. Come on. Yeah. While Lenny was in prison, though, he instructed the gang to continue with the killings, uh, so that suspicion didn't fall onto him. So, not only is he super tolerant, but he's also selfless. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, and the gang did. On August 11th, 1976, Moore and McAllister attacked 49-year-old Cornelius Nielsen with a hatchet, butchering oh. him. They butchered oh him until he was unrecognizable, just out on the street.
2: Oh, poor oh guy. Oh, my
0: God. What the fuck? Lenny also commanded the gang to continue with the cutthroat killings that they had started with, and They did. This led to the kidnapping, tortures, and murders of at least three more men, all of whom had their throats slashed almost to the point of decapitation. And one was also attacked with the hatchet, like Cornelius had been. These victims were 21 year old university student Stephen McCann, who was killed on October 30th, 1976. Then there was 52-year-old Joseph Morrissey, killed on February 3rd, 1977. He was the unfortunate soul that was attacked with the hatchet. And then there was 43-year-old Francis Cassidy, killed March 30th, 1977. And like Lenny's dad and granddad, Cassidy was a dock worker. Moore was the one who led the charge on these murders, proving himself to be just as a sadistic fucker and leader as bitch boy Lenny. I really hate these men. For good reason. Same. Yeah. Me too. The downfall of the butchers came on May 10th, 1977, when McAllister and two other gang members were just out in a boat. Out in a boat on the town. Out in a boat. Out in a boat. They spent most of the day drinking, obviously. Um, I don't think these guys did much else during the daytime. And they were on the lookout for a victim when they happened upon a man named gerard McClaverty, who was just again just walking home like all these people are just walking home minding their own business they abducted McClaverty by pretending to be police officers and oh my god and then they beat him just like with all the others but they changed they changed their mo a bit and slashed his wrists instead of his throat uncharacteristically as well they left him for dead in an alleyway like leaving people in the alleyway was very common but they left when they did that their victims were already dead McClavity was still alive and his throat wasn't cut just his wrists and he lived and i've seen pictures of his wrists um stitched up and uh, uh, nope absolutely not nope uh and we will not post those to our Instagram. I don't want to uh, trigger anyone, but uh, I just, nope, did not like seeing that whatsoever. Um, not only did McLavity live though, but when investigators met up with him at the hospital and asked him if he would be able to identify his attackers, McClavity said absolutely he would. So they went back to the Shankle and McLavity found all three of his attackers, which led to not only their arrests, but also Moore's and several other gang members.
1: I'm just like, I'm just hoping that Lenny gets more charges. I don't know. Maybe that's wishful thinking. Maybe. (laughs) But I'm hopeful.
0: (laughs) Uh, These bitch boys were truly bitch boys. They did not keep silent. They gave the game away. Um, They admitted to everything, particularly two gang members who have never been identified. Their identities have been kept secret they gave investigators all of the gory details and told them how Lenny was the leader. Uh, And they gave so much useful information and there was pretty much no actual forensic evidence against them, so they were able to walk free. They were the only gang members that walked free. I wish I knew more about who they were and what their roles were in the gang, Um, but they clearly weren't loyal. And for loyalists, come on guys, you can can do better. (laughs) 11 other gang members went to trial where they faced charges for a total of 19 murders. Moore himself pleaded guilty to 11 counts of murder and Basher to 10. In the end, the group was given a total of 42 life sentences in 1979, the most ever given in one trial in Britain. Oh, dang. Good.
2: Oh, no, I just read the next
0: sentence. Now, you would like to think that all these men were in prison for life, but nope. (laughs) There's no justice in this world. They all got out of prison. All of them. How do you get out of
2: prison with 42 life sentences? Yeah, they all got out at varying times, but
0: they were eventually all released.
2: This is worse. This is worse than the Denmark man who was released from Florida because of overcrowding.
0: Okay.
1: (laughs) No, he was in non-Florida. Wait, was he? I
0: don't know. The last of the gang members to be released was Moore, who was let out after the Good Friday peace agreement of 1998, which ended the Troubles. Um, And it it was essentially a ceasefire, and a lot of violent people who committed sectarian violence were let out of prison as a result, including Moore. And like, okay, I understand to an extent. However, if they have actively murdered people, how about we keep them in prison?
2: Yeah, I think that's probably a good idea. I, I really like that idea.
1: Good thinking, Bella. Good. Let's
0: thinking. get back to Let's go back to Lenny though. We've strayed a little far from Lenny. <laughs> uh, because he was already in prison under a under a plea agreement, he didn't face any charges relating to the murders that he and his gang committed. So he was released <sighs> from prison in July 1982. What the fuck? Unlike the previous time he was released, he didn't go home to his wife and daughter because uh, while he was in prison for the second time, she divorced his ass. And good for good. you, girl. And thankfully, he didn't get remarried again in prison because... Mm, for sure. Lenny learned nothing during his time in prison. Uh, Or from watching his whole gang be taken down, and he slipped right back into his old ways. Like, nothing happened. Like, no time had passed. He killed at least four people in as many months upon his release, including a partially disabled man whom he beat to death. Lenny, it's time to go. It's time to go. He also shot a man who was selling him a car, and he shot him because the man demanded, uh, like, payment in full. What
2: the fuck? Yeah. Well, you are buying a car, Lenny. I'm not sure if you've ever done that before, but, but you, you have do to have to pay. Typically, money. You have to
0: give them all the money. Um, Lenny also killed a UVF soldier for allegedly being an, affor- an informant, but I don't know how much evidence he had for that. And I mean, the the man was just off his fucking rocker. He also he also tried his hand at extortion. But I don't. he wasn't slick enough for that. He found very little success no, there.
2: I don't think he was much of a smooth talker. That's why he just killed people.
0: In October 1982, Lenny and some other guys kidnapped and tortured a Catholic man in Lenny's own house. And even though the victim's blood and teeth were all over Lenny's place, and even though Lenny was arrested for the crime, he was still somehow released. And what the fuck? I, I don't know how the fuck that was allowed. I don't know how that was allowed. No idea. But the Belfast police, they really fucked this up.
2: Yeah, you fucked that one good.
0: Yeah. Now, the UVF were not a great organization, just like the IRA. They are as bad as each other. But they weren't so far gone that they were just complete fucking evil. And Lenny was just a complete liability to their cause and they were just like lenny was just not what they were trying to represent you know and he had to go that's why on november 16th 1982 no one was surprised when two ira gunmen opened fire on him while he was outside his girlfriend's house more than 20 rounds went into lenny and he died pretty much instantly just there on the street holy crap the IRA claimed the attack right away, and there was absolutely no retaliation from the UVF because, well, who do you think gave the IRA the information on Lenny's habits and whereabouts and movements and stuff? No one wanted to claim him, and no. I don't blame them. <laughs> but here's the thing, like, uh, it was very much under the table, all of that information, and, and it's not, like, confirmed, but, like, everywhere I saw it mentioned, it was just, like, a wink-wink sort of thing, you know? Yeah. I wish I could say that no one cared that he had been killed and that he just faded from memory, but that's just not the case. Um, Lenny's funeral was huge. He had a huge funeral. He was basically given a full-blown military, like a soldier's funeral, complete with soldiers in uniform, like UVF soldiers, uh, that fired three shots over his coffin out of respect. And his tombstone even read, Here lies a soldier.
1: Shut the no. fuck up. <laughs> no. Uh, Your right? a serial killer.
0: Yeah. You will be happy to know, though, that the tombstone was smashed to bits by some people in 1989. Good, so, good, 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 good. That's what we like to hear. Um, more, just so we have a closing for his story. He died in 2009 of a hashtag, and he was also given uh, a soldier's funeral. Now, I don't... I don't want to end this episode by talking about the bad guys. I want to talk about the victims. I named some of the victims of the Shankill bitches, but not all of them. So I just want to take a moment here to read the full list of names. So that way they all get the acknowledgement that they deserve. Marie McGratton, age 47. Francis Donnelly, age 35. Gerard Grogan, age 18. Thomas Osborne, age 18. These were the four that were killed at the warehouse, the very first victims. Francis Crossan, age 34. Noel Shaw, age 19. Edward McQuaid, age 25. Thomas Quinn, age 55. Archibald Hannah, age 51. Raymond Carlyle, age 27. Francis Rice, age 24. Cornelius Neeson, age 49. Stephen McCann, age 20. Thomas Easton, age 22. James Moorhead, age 30. Joseph Morrissey, age 52. Francis Cassidy, age 43. Kevin McMiniman, age 7. Gerard McLavity, but he lived, so no age. Norman Maxwell, age 33. James Galway, age 33. Brian Smith, with a Y, not an I age 30. Joseph Donegan, age 48. And that's it. That is the story of the Shankill Butchers and some uh, really important information on Northern Ireland. Uh, If you'd like to see pictures of this case, you can come over to our social media. It's at Intl on Instagram, or we have a Facebook group that's just True Crime International, where I really enjoy posting memes. So come Hang out with me and enjoy some memes. Um, if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, we would really appreciate it if you would leave us a five-star review. It helps to boost the show, helps more people find it, and it just makes us really, really happy. Um, and if you have an extra $5 a month and you are craving extra content, we do have a Patreon. Uh, it's just one level for that $5 where we put out at least three bonus pieces of content a month, and we've got a pretty nice backlog over there now. So it's a, it's a good time to uh, to join our Patreon. And uh, I think that's it. I think that's all I've got for everyone today. Kind of a bummer of a case. Yeah, that's, that's
1: not great. Well, we hope that you have learned something new. And we hope you've enjoyed your stay here at True Crime International. Bye!
2: Bye! Bye. Bye.